Today we have Neander Lima on the show. Do you want to be successful? You don't have to go it alone. Surround yourself with good people and success will follow. That's what Neander Lima did. And now he's a general partner in close to 500 multifamily units and a passive investor in over 1,000 units. He knows what it takes to achieve success, and he wants to help you get there. Listen and learn. Before we jump into the intro, if you have interest in learning how to invest passively, check out my five-step process for passively investing in real estate. You can download it for free by going to darrenbatchelder.com backslash learn and then select the free PDF. Now, onto the intro. Welcome to Darren Batchelder's Real Estate Investing Show. Each week, you will learn how to grow your wealth through real estate investing, be introduced to the players that are getting it done, and learn how you can get involved. And now, here's your host, Darren Batchelder. A little background on Neander Lima before we start the show. Neander lives in the DFW area with his family. He grew up financially modest and lived in an apartment for part of his childhood. He now owns apartment communities and he's focused on one, maximizing returns for investors and two, uplifting the communities that they own for the tenant's benefit. He's a musician turned multifamily investor. Learn how he did it. Now, onto the show. Hello, everyone. Today we have a very special guest. We've got Neander Lima with us. Neander, appreciate you coming on the show. Darren, man, thanks for having me. This what a great opportunity, man. Being following you with your uh, podcast, and I'm a big fan. And actually, I'm very enthused to be here. So thanks for having me. Fantastic. Well, just a little bit on how we know each other. We're, we're both part of the same uh, mentorship group in Dallas, Brad Sumrock group. And, um, you know, he has a very, Neander has a very unique, you know, there's a lot of people that come into the space from either being an engineer or um, they were doing single family fix and flips. And Neander has a very unique, uh, you know, kind of background. And I'm very interested to hear his story. So, um, hey, before we get into your background, first question I typically ask is how many properties and how many units are you currently invested in? Absolutely. So as far as units, uh, as a GP, we are at 487 units and between LP and GPs, 1,000, uh, over 1,900. And uh, Over 1,000 units. That's So tell the listeners, like, how did you, what was your background and how did you even get involved in the space? Absolutely, man. So, uh, you know, so I'm from Brazil originally, Darren, and I came to United where, States where in, in 2001, Sao Paulo, Brazil, and Minas right, Gerais, so both states. It's a very big city, Sao Paulo. I went, I went there when I was working for Pepsi a long, long, long time ago, and I was in my 20s. I'm 52 now, and man, that's a huge city. It is a big city, as a matter of fact. That it's a, compared to New York, I think it's a little bigger, and it's one of the highest traffic of uh, helicopter in the world. Is it really? 
Is it really? Yeah, it's a fact. And uh, because there's, there's so much uh, business people that at least do uh, go around and the uh, big helicopter city, so is New York. You come here to study or why why did you come to the yeah, U.S.? Yeah, so my mom, yes, yeah, so absolutely. My mom got transferred here to work from Brazil and we all came. I was uh, 14 years old and then did high school here and decided to stay here. You know, my parents actually went back to Brazil. My sister and I would continue to study here and and actually in Dallas, Texas. And so throughout it's uh, here in the United States, I uh, uh, opened a company uh, that I was doing home automation. And if you know the Twin Peaks restaurant, the Gloria's restaurant here in Dallas, Texas, I was one yeah. of the designers that did all the lighting, audio, video infrastructure. So I had a business that I did all that stuff. But my passion initially there was a saxophone player. I've been a musician all my life. So 2016, I sold that company and I was like, man, I'm wondering how is to be a musician. And then I started playing. What I did was I started playing saxophone uh, with some background tracks, kind of like karaoke style. And I did that and I with the Latin music, right? And that really took off. A lot of the dancers, people that danced to bachata, salsa, they really enjoyed the kind of music. And I was the only one playing solo with saxophone. And, and that just blew off. And then I, with that, I was able to make a career out of it for, for you years. Made, you made a career out of, out of being a saxophone player? Out of being a saxophone player, man. I traveled <laughs> to Asia, Japan, China, Singapore, doing concerts, uh, just the saxophone and I. And That's it was really huge. cool. That's huge. So I've been to a few events where multifamily events where you've, you've broken out the saxophone and man, listeners, this guy can play, man. He gets down. So that that's awesome. But I didn't realize that you traveled all around the world doing it. Yeah, it was really fun. Actually, it was really cool. And, you know, but that, you know, I started with the, with my family, we had a daughter, my wife and I, and then the traveling started becoming a little bit harder which that brought me to this, the side of how did it start at the multifamily. And Dad and I had our first rental property in Boston. And we had one, one property there, the rental, and we thought, oh my God, this is awesome. But like, how can we scale? And one day I was invited to play on a real estate conference, which was the Brad Sumrock, which we, that's how we met each other. There's like, why don't you play during the breaks? And I uh, have a good friend of mine that was already involved. It's like, why don't you play during the breaks and stuff? So what I call is that was the best gig of my life because it literally changed my life. As I, you know, I played in the breaks, but as a Brad was talking, I was taking notes, man. I was taking notes. I was like, oh my God, this is mind blowing. I never could possibly think that, you know, like a person like me could invest in those large multifamily properties. I just thought that was not a possibility. And with that, I, I, yeah, I took notes and the next hour was was like, Delia, you need to come. My wife, Delia was like, we need to come to this next event and we need to hear what this guy has to say. So it became, um, one of the students and here we go, man. Two years later, we investing passively first. And then we decided to, you know, buy those properties. And I bought my first property a little over a year and a half ago. My first property was 147 units. Holy in cow. In Box Springs. Wow. You went, you went all out really quick. I mean, so 
the thing that's interesting about that is I've gone to, you know, not only multifamily conferences, but also entrepreneurial conferences. And, and I've heard speakers actually talk about like, say the technician or the lighting people or the, you know, at these big conferences that you have all these great speakers and they're just doing the technical side and they don't take advantage of any of the free learning that they're getting. But you are an example of someone that went there. You went there to play sax, right? And then I know in between you're like, holy cow, I could, I could do this. To talk about the right place at the right time, right? And it just, uh, that was everything that I needed to listen. And you know, one thing I like about those events that not just the mechanics side of it, but also the mindset, right? Right. And that applies to other aspects of our lives, man. And when we put our mindset of something and we shift it and we go for it, we can do anything. And, and, and that was an example. And now, you know, where we're looking back, we still, you know, find ways to how can we improve this? How can, you know, make a scale the business and everything. So that was, that was a great opportunity for me for sure. And being and working with Brad also, you know, I've been by, you know, I use my background of designer and such to being one of his marketing directors. So I work very closely with Brad and I see all the students and I see your success as well there. And I was like, I'm super proud to see it. Everybody just being so successful in this business and making, you know, returns for the investors and, taking care of the community as well, you know, because that's a good thing. I love to talk about it. It's like when we pursued those, you know, apartment units and what we, you know, we remodeled the units and bring them a better living for those standards. That is, we also uplifting that community. And I love, very passionate about that. Yeah, that, that's, that's huge. And, and, you know, there's people that have kind of a heart and a passion for different parts of the business and, I, you know, I guess I come at it from more of the, the business side and I know a bunch of people that are really focused on the community and, you know, uplifting the community and creating a better um, environment and a better home for, for all these, these tenants. I mean, you, your first property you said was 147 units. That's, that's 147 families potentially. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the, uh, yeah, I, uh, and, and, and that's why we, we touched a little bit on that, uh, on the, on the kind of community perspective. We try to do a couple of events throughout the, throughout the year for the kids. Like we did a egg hunting and we did a new playground and we did like an opening. We're going to do it. We're a little bit behind cause we needed some of the permits to open the pool and we're going to do a pool party, like a op- grand opening from the pool this year. And those things will see a huge difference on uh, on the on the community itself and the property. Absolutely, I, I love that part. So let's let's step back to where you said you know mindset. You know mindset is so big, and and all and I would add to that, you know, taking action. So I mean, like you were at that conference for a different reason. You heard something that sparked something in you, but then you took action. Right. You said to your wife, like, hey, we got to go back and learn more. And then you guys went and signed up as and then you went out and bought a 147 unit deal. Um, That's mind blowing to most people. You know, so how did you have the mindset to do that? It's just, you know, I think the big part is like having a mentor, which at the time it was Brad to be that, you know, and and see other stories of of people doing it. And having their track record and be like, this is what we've done. 
You know, I, I started this and they have like a step-by-step -step process that you can follow and being surround yourself with the like-minded people, right? Because, you know, we're part of this group and we are buying properties. We're buying new things to improve ourselves. Like, how can we do all this stuff? And, and that, it helps each other out. And one thing I like about the group is that, that everybody helps each other out. It's not like just like, hey, I'm going to buy this and you know, this is my secret sauce. Now, everybody's very open to share and to help each other out on this uh, the multifamily community that we are part of. And that's been one of the things that also really helped us is like the other people, leveraging other people's experiences. You know, in the first deal, uh, you choose a set of partners. They also, you know, have a track record and experience and you probably have a less of the GP points and then that's your first deal. And then the second deal start growing, growing until you create your own track record, not just with, with the, you know, Fannie and Freddie or, but also with your investors, right? With investors database, they're start seeing your track record, how you communicate with them with the reports, how you communicate with them with the distributions and what's going on on the property. And that also, you know, creating that timeline and now, you know, definitely we, you know, collecting the fruits now of that, that hard, that work. Yeah. I mean, so you said something, surround yourself with like-minded people. I mean, that, that's so critical. So, you know, for listeners perspective, look, you, you want to do something, you know, whether you want to do real estate investing, you know, single family, multifamily, whatever it is, go out there and find other people, right. That have done it. And then, it gets easier when you start seeing all these people. You're like, wow, they did that. They did that. They did that. And, and then you start thinking to yourself, if they could do it, I could do it, right? Absolutely. That's 100%. And being, being surround yourself with good people. If you want to learn about something, just, you know, make sure that that's what your group of people are. And then, you know, and you start doing things that they do, start, you know, doing the same thing. Absolutely. And, and my experience is just what you said, um, which is different than most industries that I've been involved in, is that it's very collaborative. It's very, people are very willing to help. People are willing to teach you. Um, you know, there's a, there is a competition, right? Because most of the deals, um, look, there might be five groups within, within our own group that are bidding on the same property. Right. And so there's well, competition. I have, I have a story about that. I have yeah, a story tell about us. that. So, okay. So when I was bidding for, you know, my, I haven't had any properties yet. I was just putting a bunch of offers out there. We underwrite a bunch of deals. So I was one to write this deal that you might recognize it called Hampton Hollow. Oh, and you, I was, went, you went after that deal? <laughs> I was on best and finals, and I guess who got it awarded? Nah, Mr. I Darren. Didn't, I didn't know that. I didn't know that that property yes, was, that was, was a very That was, was the first property. property that yeah. I got so close. And, you know, but, you know, this is the industry. And guess what? I was so happy that somebody else from the group actually got it awarded. And that's not, you, there's a competition, but it's not a malicious competition that you get pissed off about somebody or uh, uh, getting awarded that deal. You know what I'm saying? And that's the part of the, the group or part of the, the business. We all competed sometimes for the same property, but like, look, you had a better underwriting than me or you better strategy. How can I learn from it? Right. And, and that was great. That was, uh, that was awesome. But I, I don't know if you'd ever do that. And uh, I, did, I, I, I did not know fact. that you were, you were in the mix on that one. And 
you know, to, to piggyback on that, like how did I learn? Because I was losing a bunch of deals prior to that. And so I went to a coach, to a different coach that I had been working with and they're all good coaches. Right. But I was like, all right, this coach, you know, maybe he's going to tell me something different. And, and so he did, he gave me, you know, some good advice that I think helped kind of just get over the, the hump. And one of them was, um, we got the, the underwriting back from the property management company, what their, yeah. what their P and L was. The performer. Yeah. Yep. Their performer. And I had that in my underwriting and the coach said, well, look, you're going to be doing, you know, utility bill backs. Um, and it's being phased in. Why don't you do a two year, ask the property management company for a two year pro forma, because a lot of that extra income comes in the second yeah. year. And mm-hmm. so once I did that, it changed the, you know, the, the numbers such that I was able to bid a higher dollar amount. So Absolutely. if he didn't tell me that I probably <laughs> would have been some, in, sometimes you know, that is just, just a little adjust. Absolutely. And you got to find a little angle. So as a matter of fact, that first dude that I bought that uh, in box springs, so we, there was a clubhouse that wasn't being used. And uh, that clubhouse was just there for so long time. So we're checking in the city. We find out that we could actually build four units out of that space. Four units? And four units. Holy that God. nobody How- ever put that on the underwriting either. So, but that right. was a different angle and a different strategy that we find. And all of a sudden, the, you know, the, the numbers start being magical. Obviously, they were, had to count that deal without it because, you know, we have to count on other things. That we had to get approval from the city, which we got that already. We have to uh, get uh, the loan, the, the you know, as a, as a Fannie Mae, we have to get approval from them as well. But if that would have worked, that would be also awesome, you know, magical. That would be like amazing numbers, you know, creating Absolute, four units absolutely. in the property. And sometimes, you know, what I'm saying is like sometimes we get so close on the underwritings and you get the deal, but you can be sure of something that every deal that you underwrite and you get closer, that adds to your experience. And it's after to sharpen your knife and then, and then you start getting better and better. Absolutely. And you, you learn on every one, you learn on every time you underwrite, you learn every time you go out on a property tour, like you ask, ask the broker, you know, Hey, what do you like about the deal? What would you do? And they may have the same things that you have in mind, but they may tell you something different. Right. And, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you learn that one little lesson, like this one where you, where you found that building, every property tour you go on now, you probably look for empty buildings that you can take one unit or two units and add to it. And, and that's a learning lesson that, you know, dip, will differentiate you from somebody else that, you know, hasn't learned that yet. Yeah, absolutely. And you have to think a little bit outside of the box. You can have to think a little bit different. How can we make that property perform uh, at a different level that is just the usual things, right? I, like, I, I don't like to do underwritings based on just like statics things like, oh, I'll just do uh, stainless steel appliances and just hope on that. I don't think that's a good uh, solid strategy, but maybe you find something here and there that you can make really you know, the numbers work based on, you know, obviously you have to put some data, make sure the comps are solid and all that. But I, uh, I think that's also another big advantage of being part of a, a larger group where there's a lot of people that you know that are bidding on these deals is 
is that, eat, look, if you lose to somebody that you know and you're on their investor database, you can sign up for their webinar and see how, they, go. see how they pitched the deal, see how they underwrote the deal. And you don't have to invest in the deal, but you, it's another learning lesson for you. You know, Absolutely. so if, um, so that's huge. Hey, talk about, all right, you're doing saxophone across the, the world. You get into multifamily. Look, multifamily investing has, you know, it's a big wealth building opportunity, right? So how has that changed, you know, your financial position and your financial outlook going forward? Absolutely. So we are in a fourth property right now as a GP. And then, you know, every time you, you, you know, you're buying a property for when applying for the loan, you need to put your your net worth there in liquidity and that really the uh, triple our net worth for sure. Triples um, your net worth. Triple. Yes, we are. We were a little bit over under a million dollars in net worth when we started it. I'm just being blunt with you guys and sharing. And then, you know, right now it's uh it's three times that for sure. And that is amazing. Plus the cash flow that we're making out of the properties. But uh, what were you doing? Since we bought the first property, every proceeds that we get as a asset management acquisition fee and all that, we are investing back in the business. So now, uh, investing back in back in the business, like you know, we have uh, six uh, staff members that are working with us with the marketing department, the acquisitions, uh, uh, the asset management people. So that way, we're creating a structure here. So we're not making, we're not being profitable as a multifamily empire, as a firm yet, because we using everything to support that. But then I believe by 2023, starting 2023, with new acquisitions that start, you know, coming in for sure. And that, but because again, we choose that route to really rapidly scale and invest in our business. I mean, think about that. Like it's so hard to save your way to wealth. Right. I've, I've asked older people that are wealthy and I'm like, do you know anybody that saved their way to wealth? And I have not found anybody yet. Like it's you either, you know, invest in stocks or real estate or you get stock options. You, you know, working for a company, you get stock or you sell your company, you know, for a big number. Um, but just putting 10, 20 percent aside, think about how long it would have taken you to go from one to three, right? I mean, oh, that's crazy. It, it's crazy. The, it really is. The, the growth of the multifamily, uh, especially on the GP side is exponentially. It's like, it, 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 it it's crazy. Uh, it's really so, fast. If you, especially if you active the, you know, obviously you got to put goals and go to, you know, the paint of size of the property, how much GPs, it's a lot of variables in there, but if you do it right, it is just, it is exponentially for sure. So if you're a listener and you're listening to this, like, what can you tell them as like, look, if I could do it, you could do it. Man, like I said in the beginning, if you put your mind on it, anybody could do it. I, I never thought I could do it, to be honest with you, from my backgrounds. I have from very humble beginnings. When we first got to the United States, it wasn't easy. Uh, my family and I, you know, when my mom got here, she got transferred to work and that things didn't work out. And we ended up living on the same apartments that we buy today, this B and C classes 
there was a point in time that me and my family were sleeping on the floor, my mom and dad and my sister and I in one bedroom apartment. And, you know, obviously we grew out of there. We, we, you know, my, my mom and dad was very hardworking, but when I look back and, uh, I, I, you know, comes with insecurity sometimes. It's like, oh, this is for people that already been doing. This is for people that, you know, that have connections and such. But again, surround yourself with good people. Shift your mindset that you can do anything if you're putting your mind to it. The it's it's endless the opportunities, right? And there is opportunity for anybody that can do this, you know. And uh, obviously, I think there is a a better way to you find yourself a mentor, somebody that has you know a, a, a that has done and it can show you the steps versus you doing it yourself. Uh, and this business, you can't do it yourself too, if you want, you know, I just found yeah, it a lot I, harder. I look it. at it, it just be a lot harder and also, uh, take longer most likely, you know, and, and, um, and bigger risk that you're going to make some, some, you know, heavy mistakes, but, um, you could definitely do it without it. And, and I think it's great to find, you know, peers in the community in this industry, you know, like yourself there in that have like a successful podcast or they're like giving tons of information, tons of uh, clues and tons of directions to people, interview a bunch of people that are already in the game, already doing stuff. And that is very valuable asset. So I, I really appreciated doing that. And uh, that's awesome. Yeah, I look, I, I look at it as a way to give back. I mean, I had a lot of people help me along the way and, and um, it's a way for me to give back. And also I get to learn from every single one of the guests that come on. So, so I, I, I get that exponential learning as well. So, you know, you ended up uh, building your wealth, but you also have passive investors that, you know, you, have come along and trusted you and invested in your deals and you helped grow the wealth of, you know, for them as well. Correct. Absolutely. So the first deal I, you know, you kind of have that, uh, also scarcity that is like, man, how am I going to, my first raise was $5 million. And I was like, Oh my God, how am I going to do that? And, you know, we start tackling everybody, right? Your your neighbors or your family first, and it'll be like, hey, and then they'll be like, are you doing multifamily now? Are you doing real estate? I never never knew you were in the real estate. So they get that shocking first, and nobody of my family or friends invested with me in our first deal. No one. And I, I'm not the kind of pushy guy that will, you know, like to be salesy and calling them. No, I just sent them one quick email. That's what I'm doing. You're welcome to take a look at it. Right. But it was interesting to see other people that knew my story and, you know, see how hard we were trying to get a deal. And those people has actually really supported us. And what really pushed me to the finish line on my first deal on a capital raise was the two individuals that they invested a million dollars each. Oh, holy cow, really? In one shot, Yes. And it's like, I believe in you and here we go. Boom. And I, I, I was blown away, Darian. I can't imagine like how I was blown away. And plus, you know, with the other co-GPs helped to raise all the money. So we did raise the $5 million in our first deal. And it was not easy. I almost had a heart attack. And another <laughs> thing, <laughs> another thing about the first deal, we closed on December 30th. We really needed that depreciation, the bonus depreciation. So a lot of our investors needed as well. And 
was, you know, was during COVID and it was like, you know, some certain times and everybody was hoping for that bonus depreciation for the year of 2020. And I, we actually closed on December 30th. And I almost had a second heart attack because of that, because a lot of people was like, dude, you, you know that if you roll to December or January 1st is, is over. Right. Right. If we closed this, you know, January 31st, cause you know, getting that bonus appreciation. So when we finally closed and I was like, Oh my God. So on the new year's came, I was so tired and exhausted, mentally exhausted. My wife and I, we just went to bed at 10 o'clock. We didn't even see the new years and anything. <laughs> so, but I was very proud. And the same thing came with you, you know, after owning the deal for the network, the first quarter, we issued the distributions, man, I called every single investors. I called them and say, Hey, I would like to inform that we're doing distributions. I was so happy. And it was, it was a very good feeling for me and the multifamily that are the biggest two amazing feelings that I have is that giving my investor distribution and securing their uh, investment. And also, like I said earlier, taking, you know, uplifting that community. So that's two things that I'm so very passionate about it. That, that's fantastic. So when you talked about the capital raise, it's interesting that you, one, that was, that was a pretty big number for your, your first raise. I mean, 5 million, how yeah, many I, GPs were there? It was, uh, it was me, Rebecca and Warren. So it was totally of uh, being couples with about three GPs. Three GPs. So, I mean, that, that's a, you yeah, know, it's a big number. Yeah, but counting and, on combining the couples, right? Right. And, um, you know, a couple things from that. One, there were people in my network um, that I thought would, would definitely invest and they didn't. And there were other people that were not in my, that were in my network that I did not think would invest that did. So the point to that is, look, when you're doing your first raise, you know, make sure you, you share it with everybody. Um, the second thing is that there's people that think that they need to wait until they are successful before they start telling people what they're doing. And, you know, Neander's story, you know, tells you that, you know what, if you tell people along the way, they start watching you, right? And maybe some of his friends and family, had they been watching him the whole time, maybe they would have invested. Absolutely. And, you know, the second deal then, and a couple of people was like, oh, wow, that looks good. And I know they, they, they got to invest with me, which, you know, again, I'm not the kind of investor or, or syndicator that will be tapping out or everybody, hey, man, you got to invest with me. No, I just, if you want to know what I'm doing, just you're welcome to know what I'm doing and participate in. I think it's a great investment because I, you know, I had stocks too. And I would rather invest my money on a, on a, on a, an investment like this than stocks, especially nowadays, if you know what I mean. Right, but, right, uh, right. but you know, it's, it's scary a, it's a at solid. first though, right? Cause it the is, numbers are is. bigger, you know? And so I remember when I was wiring my first like 75 K, I was like, Oh my gosh. Like, all right. What if? Hey, yeah. Like, like, did I just wire this to never, never land? And I, and I vetted the, you know, the sponsors, I knew them. I talked to other people that invested with them. It didn't matter what, you know, when you, when you're wiring your first deal, but now I see the power, you know, I mean, where else can you 
you know, double your money in two, three, four, five years um, and have it be in a secure asset, a cash flowing asset. I mean, it really is um, incredible, but it, you have to have the mindset to be able to do it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And now nowadays, you know, when I fast, I do invest in a couple of deals throughout the year passively as well. And then like what I do is, you know, if I trust the person, I don't ask much questions. I don't even watch them. It's just, just me. I don't even watch the webinar. And I just be, hey, I you have a relationship with you. I believe in you. You have a track record. Here you go. I just wired the money and that, I, you know. And eventually those pan out and I love to collect the money, man, just like every other investor. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Exactly. So talk about how you ended up getting uh, partners. How'd you get partners? You didn't have experience. Yeah. You were a saxophone no. player. Yeah. So I was part of the group prior, probably like a year and a half before I, you know, I started my own deal. So we start networking and meeting people, um, partnering up. On a, on a multifamily, it's, it's, it's a long-term thing. You have to really make sure that, you know, who are you partnering up with and, you know, if you guys align with your principles and your, you have to put into what if, right? Because when things are going good, it's easy to be a partner. But when things are not doing good and, you know, so as long as you're clear up front of how much of the GP points, the GP splits, who's going to do what, who's going to be the asset management, and all that's being talked from A to Z in the beginning, there's no misunderstanding, then it's it, it's okay. And I have uh, partners and partner with different people, different GP groups, and uh, I haven't had one issue. My first GP was with uh, Warren and Rebecca. I think Rebecca is probably being your uh, uh Spoke here on your uh, podcast. Yeah, before. she was, she sure was on the podcast. Moore. Yep. Yeah, she was one of my first partners with her husband, and uh, had uh, Tariq as a as good, a good just people. A KP. Good people, absolutely. And then my next one was just me, Eduardo, and uh, Delia. We didn't have. We just had KPs. We didn't have all the GP uh, other uh, co sponsors. So uh, Stray as well. And now was that was that Milagro? Milagro, I bought that stuff, man. Yeah, I know. So, like, people are like, I was going, I was going after that one before the before you bought it. So you bought it from like Alan and the, and them, uh, Elaine and them, and I was going for it. Then. about that because uh, yeah, Eduardo was Eduardo was actually a passive investor of that deal, and he was like, "Oh my oh, god, this he? is my yeah," and he was like, "This is my best performing passive investor property." And we look at the numbers and he looked me like, you know, how the property is cash flowing. And I know, trust me, I know Las Vegas Trail doesn't have the best reputation. And, you know, but I, again, we came with a different approach. It was like, look, we're going to clean that up right in the beginning. So we're actually in the process now repainting the whole entire thing, rebranding, different name. And, and uh, we cleaning it up, getting better quality tenants in there. And I, there's a great potential and it does that property no matter what, man. And I don't know what it is. It cash flows solid. That, that's a great thing. That's a great thing. And I didn't know you're going after that one, but see how it is. It's I, funny. Like you would go into. Right. Exactly. There's a, there's a lot of deals that a lot of people are going after. And, you know, sometimes you hear that somebody's, you know, nipping at your tails and sometimes you don't know who the other people are in the mix. But, um, so you, you guys are building a company. You have six employees. Um, 
And is that the goal going forward? And are you and Eduardo both part of the same company or are you guys par- just partner up or how does yeah, that work? Yeah, we, we found Eduardo was a, one of the co-founders of our company, but okay. he had to uh, move to Florida and he just recently moved to Florida and he said, yeah, there have other uh, strategy and other goals that I want to do all the kind of uh, uh, investment uh, platforms. And we, we uh, uh, amicably split and he's he's doing other stuff. So, but our goal here as a company is just to create a solid operations, right? So, as a asset manager and stuff. So, we do have other companies between, you know, on an umbrella, which is our construction company and our landscape company that we launched this year. So, with the construction company, what happens is uh, we don't have on a profit. Let's say, use it as an example. My enclave, which is the 147 units that I mentioned in the beginning, my first property. Sure. Uh, technically you would have a lead maintenance guy and then we have a make ready guy and a porter. So we got rid of those two guys. We only have one lead maintenance guys. And what we do is we use our third party company, uh, multifamily construction to come in and turn those units. So twice a week we have, we call the managers and we ask them, so how many units do you have coming? So already predict those, those units that are going to come online. And we do a, we develop this assessment. There's like about 50 items that we go inside of the, the apartment unit and we assess how was the resurfacing, how was the carpet, do we have to replace it or not, doorknobs, light switches, everything. And then when the tenants move out, we already have contractors next day working on it because we already know everything needs to be done. And we turn those units in five days and sometimes they're already pre-leased. So our occupancy and that by not having the make ready guy and just come in and changing a light switch one day and the next day <laughs> contractors was being like 20 days, 15 to 20 days, the Holy unit was cow, down. Really? Yeah. And that happens a lot. And then now between our four properties now, we have, we turn in about 23 units a month. That's so huge. we do have a certain amount of volume that we do that. And we turn those in five days and they're ready to pre-lease. And our, our, our occupancy is actually, it's really improved because of their efficiency and we save money. Let me ask you, did you have an, any experience in on the construction side before doing yes. this? I had my, as I mentioned, my auto and video company, we had a company that did home automation and stuff. So I've been involved as a contractor for over 15 years. Um, not necessarily heavily construction, but it's the same principles dealing with sure. contractors. So we don't, uh, we all use the smaller companies. We do have, we, so we operate kind of like a, a general contractor. Gotcha. So we hire smaller companies and we have a fixed flat rate for each individual job. For example, uh, how many square feet is a flat fee to change a vinyl flooring, a flat fee for resurfacing the tubs or resurfacing the countertops and, and then we're ready to be able to give it a quote a specific. It's not by the hour. It's not anything. It's just a, f- a fixed fee for each apartment. And yeah, that's, that's been working super, super efficient. We're extremely happy with the results. We just started this year and we see a tremendous amount of like savings for the property as far as uh, renovation and efficiency, which, you know, instead of having a unit down, if you have right. a unit down for 30 days, it costs yeah. you like, you know, right. exactly. That, that's the interesting part is that, look, at the end of the day, you know, you, you're buying real estate, but then afterwards you got to manage that real estate. And 
it's a business and people will focus on different areas of that business to try to leverage efficiencies and, and save, save money and, and um, increase revenue and try to maximize the NOI. But people come at it from a lot of different angles. Um, I know somebody that is, is big in the DFW area in terms of uh, value add, and they actually, they actually create like a kit from their, you know, from their uh, supplies based on what's needed for each unit. So if they need flooring, the flooring is in that box. If they need, you know, um, lighting fixtures, then the lighting fixtures are in there. If they don't, then they don't. And that saves them from having to go back and forth to the, you know, the su- supply room to, you know, and it also helps them not have loss of, of product. And um, it doesn't really, you know, it doesn't seem like a lot if you're doing 20 units, but if you're doing thousands of units, it's very important profitability wise. Absolutely. We are actually talking to, uh, you know, a broker, how can we start bringing stuff from China directly, you know, from, because we, we have a designer that we design you know, the same color of flooring, same color of paint, same color of everything, the style and everything. So we use the same products all across the properties, all the three properties. So I went and compare the prices if you're buying here or Mexico and China, but you know, the, the prices is literally, let's say that I buy this remote control for, and let's say that I pay a hundred bucks today. If I bought it in China, I'll pay 40, 47 bucks. Does and that that's already the, counting the shipping, shipping to bring it over shipping here? in United States. Yes. But the difference wow. is I have to, I have to buy it in bulk. I have to buy 500 of this. Right. But that is, it's a huge, and you make the math and it's like, it's crazy. It's incredible. So, uh, I'm looking at that right now and that's going to be probably something that we're going to be looking at this year or potentially beginning next year. <laughs> that's amazing. You think back to like when you had, what was it? Was it one single family or was it a duplex? We had one rental unit. Yeah, it was, it was one, in Boston. It was a little so, condo. You know that in Boston is very tight together. So you have yeah. one unit in the bottom, one in the on the. You the had top. one unit and now like you're talking about importing from China, you know, to save 50% on your, your expenses. Um, I you know, know man. It's just like that. My infra, look, I'm being busy as hell. Like this is, I'm being so busy right now that I, and I have two little children and sometimes I think, my God, I just need to step back. But I'm, my wife and I, we're super passionate about this area. And I, that's why right now I'm building a company. So that way I can build this infrastructure that my, my properties can run smoothly. And then I don't need to be as much involved as I'm at right now. So that's right. why we, we we investing reinvesting on a company right now, and hopefully that you know this will pay off, and we create this the system and have people working for us, and we can run this property smoothly. But it's not being easy. It's not being all you know. <laughs> it's being very. It's a lot of time consuming here, a lot of uh, sweat and tears. That's for sure. Um, but uh, it's it's all paying off when you see the amount of returns like right now we just had the property the first property appraised and we when we underwrote that deal was 87% of the returns and right now it's about 125% returns wow thank you and 
It's it's so I uh, that really when I look at it, that that's why I'm doing that. That's why my investors and ourselves we're gonna make a lot of money on that deal. So like that's well, why let's we're go doing back this. a little bit. Like you said that you know it's not easy, and you said it it took you a little while. Like how did you have the the grit and the you know determination and the perseverance to keep underwriting <laughs> deals to get that first one? Man, I mean. I, I, I think that the hardest is to get your first deal. And we talked about this earlier, like how many, un- that's the frustration part. When you get so close right. uh, and, and somebody, you know, and you, you were off by a couple hundred thousand and somebody else got awarded the deal. It's frustrating because I think for a solid underwriting, when you get to the best and finals, I think you spend a good amount of 40 hours a week. Right. Doing your comps, doing your business models and all that stuff. Right. Yeah. I think you agree with me. Yeah. I, th- I think it's, you know, for any deal, you know, I, you know, everybody works differently. Some people, you know, they might put a lot of offers in, out and and not go as deep until they get far. But no, no, I'm uh, talking to you in the finals, like on six the or seven weeks, you know, like, you know, yeah. I'm out at the, property tour. I'm, I'm going to visit in, you know, surrounding properties. I'm checking out the area. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a lot of time and effort. Then you, then you're talking to lend, you know, the lenders to get quotes. You're talking to insurance, you're talking to property management companies. So yeah, it's a, it's a lot of work to get there. And then if you don't it, get the deal, it's and tough. And then you don't get the deal that goes out the window and you have to right. start again, another property from scratch. So you know, after that, losing, the, how do you keep coming back? And how do you, how do you keep coming back? Exactly, man. It's just, that is the part that a lot of people sometimes make it like, oh, this is so hard, you know, but you have to keep trying, man. Because I said early, every, every deal that you lose that you don't get, it adds up to your bucket of knowledge and experience. And that is also, you know, we have to use that as a motivation as well. Look, now you're going to, I guarantee you that your next one you're going to underwrite is so much sharper and so much better and efficient. The other thing I think that happens is, look, you know, you partnered with Rebecca Moore, right? She already had deals, right? So she was the more experienced one. Um, At one point, she was the one that was inexperienced. She partnered with other people, um, but now she she was more experienced than you were. She probably saw you like going after it. Right. And even though you lost it, you know, lost a few deals, she was impressed with your work ethic and was agreeable to to partner on that deal. And that probably helped you win the deal. Yeah, absolutely. And it, when you do partner leverage other people's experiences, also is a, is, is also it's, it's a great way to get ahead. You know, you leverage them and stuff. But, you know, we were listening to your question when is what makes a drive and in and, and the space is that I never thought in my life that, you know, I don't think it's a, not a lot of people that will be as a kid to be like, Oh my God, my dream is to be a real estate investor. You know, <laughs> right. people had dreams like, Oh, I want to be a pilot. I want to be a doctor or something, right. a lawyer, you know, but an athlete, I, an actor, a fireman, yeah. right. You know, something, um, I haven't met one person that would be like, oh my God, my dream as a kid, like I want to be a real estate investor, right? Right, right. But what I'm saying is like now that I'm in, that I stumble on this multifamily thing, I'm super passionate about it. I love it. 
I absolutely love her. My wife and I were super passionate and that's what keeps it going. That keeps us going. And the two things out of that I love the most is like taking care of our investors and taking care of the community. And yep. the third thing is obviously building our wealth for our family, for our generation to come. So that that is what keeps us going for sure. So, I mean, I think that when people get involved, they... And it sounds like you were scared the first time too on the first capital raise. People, you know, that's probably the scariest part for people is like, oh, I don't want to ask people for money. But, you know, those two people that invested a million dollars, they didn't invest a million dollars because they thought they were going to lose, right? They, they had confidence in you. They had confidence in your team. And they had confidence in the deal and in the property that they were actually going to make money. Right. So they invested a million dollars. If, if you guys double, you know, money in three, four, five years, they, they've made a million dollars and you guys are the ones that are, that are, you know, running the deal. I know. I, and I, you know, looking at that, every time I give the distributions, I like, I look at us like, dude, I should have put more of my own money myself. You know, know what I mean? Those, those checks are fat for them. Yeah, for the, right. Those, they're, those, they're, those they're doing well. And they've learned, you know, that real estate can be a, can be a great place to, to park your money. Um, and, and, and again, to, uh, the deal needs to work, right? And they, of course, right. they are uh, uh, people there. It's being seasoned on the, on the industry and they analyze the deal and make sure that the, the numbers are solid because those are numbers that numbers don't lie, right? Obviously, there are some part of that is projections, but it's a solid, it's not like something outrageous. It's, it's all there. Well, another thing I like to say, because I, I come from kind of a, not lending, but trading loan portfolios. I have another, another business that does that. And I've been in that business since early 2000s. But, um, you know, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, they have the most data, you know, just mind data that they can pull from different markets, different submarkets, and they are not going to approve a loan, right? If they find it to be extremely risky, right? So that's another safeguard. You've got your underwriting, you've got your partner that's looking at it. You have, you know, if you're part of a coaching group, then you have the coaching group that's looking at it. You have the property management company that's going to, look at your numbers and then it needs to be approved by the lender. And if the lender who has all this data from, you know, years and years and years and up cycles in the economy and down cycles in the economy and they still approve it, that's another, you know, uh, vote of confidence, I think. That's a very good point. I never thought about that way with the lender because, you know, they obviously don't want to lose their money. But they are also very shrewd, like a lot of underwriters, and not just one, it's a couple that they look in your deal and they underwrite themselves and see their own projections and their own like thoughts of, of the deal itself, how would it perform and, and different scenarios. And their loss ratios are extremely low. Um, you know, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac on multifamily. I'm, you know, can't quote me exactly, but I remember seeing a graph where, I think over the lifeline, their 90-day delinquency was like 25 basis points. And then in the Great Recession, it went up to like 90 basis points, you know, 
that's delinquency, 90 day delinquency, not, you know, bad debt. And that's crazy. Less than 1% at the height of like the worst recession we've had in years and years and years. So that's also another safeguard is that that lender is putting up, you know, anywhere between 70 and 80% and they're not going to do it um, because they like Neander. <laughs> they're going to do it because of the numbers. And absolutely. So, and especially Fred and Fannie, they're really, they give her a hard time, man. They are not, you have to really be a solid business plan. You need to have your track record. That's why some people start being a, a KPs with the, to start gaining the experience with the Fannie and Freddie, because definitely they're not easy. Absolutely. So, hey, I'm going on a little bit of a tangent right now because I want to get your experience here. My wife and I recently bought an RV. I know that you guys bought one about a year ago. What's your take on the RV traveling around? Has this business helped you get there? Absolutely, man. So, uh, I was something or it was a dream of mine that when I saw those things like on a, on a wheels. And so our first, we had a trailer and we, we got a brand new trailer and we're pulling behind a car, but that was a little bit stressful, man. We're on a drive. I drove all the way to Wisconsin to see my sister and this shoulder here was in pain because I was driving the car and the big thing behind and pulling. Plus my kids was trapped in a car seat all day. And then it was, you know what? It was middle of the, it was the beginning of the pandemic. I sold it for a lot more than I bought it from. And Which it was, is unusual, it right? It's not, but uh, you know, as you, you and I know, the RV market for the past two years just right. went crazy. It's so screaming. We, we sold it and then we went to uh, uh, a RV dealership in Fort Worth and we spent the whole afternoon there, man. We went to, it was like, oh my God. So we got, the thing sold itself. And now... We bought this this forty uh, foot diesel pusher, and it just you can look at two different ways, right? There's a uh, you can look at as oh my god, this is such a you know expensive thing, but you can look as investment to your family, to the experiences that you're gonna make off of it. Right. So um, that's why we bought it. Also, there's don't don't call me on this for your own this but for me <laughs> we use as as you know we open its own llc and we have a tons of way to depreciate that thing and how to use it to the business and such so my accountant was just like such a great instrumental guy that helped us through the process as well but my point is that it's just man it's an amazing experience i use it all the time it's just the only downside i'll tell you that i became the bigger uber driver because my family is on the back watching tvs and eating popcorns nice. and i'm driving that son of a gun right right exactly <laughs> but it, you know i i think you hit it on the head i look at it like okay look investing in multifamily properties investing in cash flowing you know assets um where that is more of it investing in experiences and you know it's giving uh, me access to different parts of the country that i probably wouldn't have traveled to you know um and going going and seeing that with my family so um that that's fantastic yeah i, Damn, I, we I, gotta, I we admired you when you got, together, you, you, man. you got it like a year ago or something like that and i was like watching neander i'm like oh man i, I want one of those too um so that, we, we gotta fun. go on a on a multifamily trip, man. We gotta do right. a look at properties. Actually, I right. was looking on a property last year, Dalton, Alabama, and I drove it, and it was great, man. Turning that thing into an office. Nice. That's awesome. 
Um, hey, what, what's the next big stretch goal, man? What do, what, what do you do? Where do you go from here? So I want to increase our portfolio for sure for acquisition. So we're under a uh, contract right now into a property, into this project, and we're looking to close in a few weeks. Um, and that's it, it, this year is actually my first acquisition. And I am looking this year to close in two more. Uh, or two maybe more one be- before larger. year end? Two, two more before the year end, yes. That's awesome, man. And that, that is my goal for this year. And I do have, you know, some of the numbers of, you know, net worth that I want to achieve and, you know, certain amount of years and all that. And it's changing all the time. But what I'm focused on the most now is to building a scalable business. How can we scale as a team? How can I have people underwriting deals for me? How can people be doing asset management for me? Uh, and how can we make the property smooth on the construction side and such mm-hmm. and, and create the harmony, create those pro- those projects that we're working on and efficient. So that is my goal. And I think by next year, 2023, I believe that we're going to go on so much of a bigger scale or bigger infrastructure to accommodate or to acquire larger deals, you know, where we can make more money, more returns and, you know, as, as a company. That's fantastic. Now you're also a marketing guy, like you're a musician, but you're also a marketing guy. Where did, where did that come from? I, that's where I, I went to college for marketing, but I did not finish. So I love marketing, man. Marketing is the backbone on every businesses. And I, I, yeah. I love marketing visuals and stuff like that. I, I do like it a lot. And that's what I, you know, provide with the Sumrock organization. I, you know, a lot of the marketing, a lot of the videos, a lot of the content, and applying to the multifamily to our investors, we try to, you know, create some kind of video content for them at the property. What are we doing? What are we working on it before and after? So the investors can also have a sense that they are there. My majority yeah. of my investors, not even from Dallas, right? And it's a different than when you, for example, invested in a company like Tesla, right? You bought the shares and you kind of see on Twitter what's going on and Elon Musk kind of screwing things up and saying a bunch of crap. <laughs> But, you know, when you invest in a multifamily property, you actually invest in a real asset, in something that you can go there and visit your own property. Even though if you're like LP, a limited partner, but you're still one of the owners of the asset. You can come in and see, oh, my God, this is this is my property. Right. And we try to put that in perspective into videos that our investors can come in and, and have a sense of, you know, being part of it at the process. That's very cool. And yeah, that's where I leverage there, marketing to that. There's some people that, I don't, I don't know, there's, there's a lot of engineers. There's a lot of, you know, number crunching guys in, in this business. And, you know, for the listener's perspective, Neander's a cool dude, man. He's like the musician, the marketing guy, like the, he's fun. Like you just, you want, you want to be around him. So, um, Hey, and let me how, tell you something. Y- yeah, go no, ahead. Yeah, Mount, Mount, no, you, you talked earlier about the partnership, the power of partnerships, right? I'm not, like, I'm good of, of the marketing and the stuff like that, but, like, my wife, she's the one of the numbers girl. I'm not that good with numbers and underwriting deals. I, I know how to understand and read them, but does majority of our underwriting is my wife, and we have the team, and we had another, we leverage each other to, you know, you bring an experience, like, you're an engineer, you know, and, uh, a marketer and so you'd be good in numbers so that's the the beauty of the partnership in the business you bring 
to the table why you're good at it and run with it. And then you leverage other people to do other expect on this business. And that's what forms the partnership. What's great. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. For listeners benefit, like you don't have to do it all, right? You can, you know, you can be figure out, you know, the business is about finding deals, underwriting deals, managing deals after they're, they're done and then finding capital. And so you think about where you're strongest and then partner with other people that are strong in the other areas. Yeah. And I have been people that I was like, I don't know how to do any of this stuff, the marketing, underwriting, but I'm a good communicator. I know how to go after people, connect with people and bring in as potential investors. There's also a very nice and very useful skill set as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what do you do outside of work besides play the sax and go and take RV trips? What do you like to do? Man, I love to travel. It's just uh, right now the travel with, you know, or the past few years is kind of tough to do, but I love to go. The I like to taste coffee. Uh, that's something that I, uh, we have a small coffee farm in Brazil and I love to try different coffee stuff. I I love Do you to, go back to Brazil very often? I go a lot. Yeah. Every year I try to go to my folks. Every year. Now, do you have investors from, from Brazil that invest in I have a few in investors US? from Brazil, yes. Especially the, we're talking to a few family offices that does investments in here in the United States. And we are, I don't have a lot, but I, I am talking to a few uh, family offices that uh, that's almost something that we're trying to do as well. I think that that could be a very unique niche for you, you know, to, to be Absolutely. able to tap into. I mean, there's a lot of wealth in South America and there's, there and, is. And, and a lot of them want to get money into the States, you know, but they want to be smart about it. So, um, you know, if they know, like, and trust you that, there, a, there's a few a regulations win. involved, but there is definitely a way, you know, the wealth people, man, they, you know, leverage other people to on their team to exactly know what they're doing. So it's, it's a little bit of regulation. So it's not that easy because I know I have some family and friends like, hey, how can you invest? I was like, yeah, I had to go through a process to invest in currencies, all that. But those family offices, that's what they do. They put their money outside to work for them. Gotcha. So, gotcha. So, hey, if people want to reach out to you and get to know you better, what's the best way for them to do that? Absolutely. You can uh, go to our website, multifamilyempire.com. There's a pop-up in there. You can uh, book a call with us and stuff. But uh, I'm just super, super excited to be here, Darren. This is amazing. Thank you so much for- Absolutely. uh, Look, you are an inspiration. I, I think that, you know, some people- just like you felt, right? There's listeners on this right now that think that they can't do it, right? They think, oh, well, this guy came from an engineering background or this guy was, you know, had a hundred single family homes before and they don't have that. So they feel like they can't do it. But like, I love your story. It takes, takes action, Right. You when you learn something and then apply it and actually take action, that's when some good things can happen. So thank you for sharing. Don't wait until tomorrow, man. Just take action today. Yeah. I mean, action the first step could be could be going to a conference, right? You know, or or a meetup group or what or whatever. But 
Um, it doesn't have to be the investment first, first thing, but when you surround yourself with other people, you're going to get charged up just like Nina or myself. So um, I love your enthusiasm and your passion. And uh, listeners, I hope that you enjoyed that one. Definitely reach out to him if you have any questions. And uh, until next week, sign off. Awesome. Thank you so much, Darren. Thank you for listening to Darren Batchelder's Real Estate Investing Show at darrenbatchelder.com. If you liked the episode, please provide us with a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform of choice. If you already provided us with a five-star review, then thank you. And please share the show with a friend. 